0: We've uh, coming to the end of the, of part one of our evangelism series. Now, we remember that we started that off at the beginning of the year with the theme of belong, which is the number two B on the doors, uh, part of our strategic priorities. And belong simply meant to maintain a culture and environment that provides a sense of belonging in God's kingdom. Now, that's in relation for us. And our community that live round about here at Monte. For us, uh, it's to be active in God's business. We talked about that a few weeks back, didn't we? Active in God's business, just like the Lord was. He was going about doing His Father's work. And for the community, the, the community, the, uh, for them to belong to the kingdom of God, they need to meet the requirements of that. Uh, and to be able to enter into the kingdom and be a part of that. That's what, it, that's what it means to belong. And the key element in both instances for us and for the community is the gospel. That's the key element. That's why we're, we're focusing on the gospel so far this year and hopefully for the rest of the year and for many years to come because that is the core thing. That God wants us to be occupied in. And the key, that key element of the gospel, there's three aspects of it. There's knowing it, accepting it, and then spreading it. Passing it on. And that's what the series so far has, has looked at. We looked at what is evangelism, didn't we? Because sometimes we get confused as to what actually it is and what it isn't. And then we looked at what is the good news? What is this gospel? And we looked at friendship evangelism, how we can pass this uh, wonderful news on. And then we looked at why we should even be bothering to do that. Why not just, hey, I'm saved. Who cares about everybody else? That's the generation. That's the society that we live in. It's all about me. But that's not what God's heart is, is it? God's not willing that any should perish, but all. Everyone come to repentance. And then we looked at facing opposition. Uh, I think that really bothers us, doesn't it? When we try and spread the word of God and spread this wonderful news, there's opposition and we get a bit scared about that, don't we? And this, uh, today's message is balanced expectations. You know, what should we expect when we participate in evangelism? What should we expect when we share our faith with people? i going to look at that this morning. But I did say it was the end of part one, didn't I? Were you listening? Because there's part two. That starts next week. And for the next four weeks we're going to look at apologetics. And it is part of evangelism. It is part of it. Because apologetics is concerning the defence or the proof of Christianity, its doctrines and its beliefs. I know, I know sometimes we, that word apologetics scares us because you think, oh, that's really hard and technical and hard to understand. But it's not really. It's part of spreading the good news because we need to offer an explanation, don't we, of why we believe what we believe. The Apostle tells us that. The Apostle Peter tells us that, to give, a, to give a reason for our hope, an explanation. We really do need to answer the questions that people have. When we tell them about Christ and about heaven and about salvation, all those things and and answer the critics sometimes you know? you know sometimes they come up with some very hard questions and and apologetics is a systematic and a reasoned way that you can explain things to to people who are inquiring so that 's why we 're going to spend at least four weeks the next four weeks uh, looking at some of those Topics that come up regularly uh, with regard to, to um, people wanting to know the answers to. And also, it's to show our responsibilities too. As a people of God, we have a responsibility. And hopefully we're going to, in the next four weeks, and hopefully we've done it already, given you some tools, some strategies, some resources to help you share your faith with the people of God, with with the people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and there's more we're working with uh, with uh, an organization called power to change now we're trying to get them to come out and give us a half day workshop now power to change you know, I think I know that do you remember grant Bickerton who came and helped us with pastoral care for people that are involved in uh, those ministries that require pastoral care. He came out and he spent a half a day with us. It was just brilliant. People are still who were participating in that still thought, think it's a, it was so helpful, so good, so practical. Well, he comes from Power to Change. And I was speaking to him a few weeks ago and he suggested uh, some other people from that organisation who do... Evangelism. And so we're trying to work a suitable date for everybody for another half day workshop where we can all come and listen and participate and workshop ways in which we can be, as Pat said, more effective, more effective in our witnessing for Christ. So that's coming up. I haven't got a date yet, but it's coming up. All right, so today's topic is balanced expectations. We read chapter the bit in chapter thirteen, the parable of the sower. It's a, it's a, it's a very well-known portion of God's word, and uh, you know you taught it in Sunday school, and you see all sorts of things um, uh, about about that. Is it working? Not working. Next slide. Okay. So, so the parable of the sower is is also found in two other gospels the gospel of mark and the gospel of luke now that's important that we realize that you know when things are repeated or noted very often in scripture it's because they're important this is an important parable i'm not saying the others aren't important but it's it's noted three times so some quick facts about about parables first of all a parable is something that, that is used to help illustrate. So the actual word means to cast alongside. So it's a story put along something else that's hard to understand or hard to grasp to help us or to help someone to understand the story, to help and to make it clear. Most of the Lord's parables, this is really interesting, are not explained by the Lord. He just gives a parable, and you're left to work it out yourself or with the help of the Holy Spirit or if you have eyes and ears to hear. In other words, you're receptive to the message. But this is an interesting parable here because the Lord actually takes the time and explains it to the listeners, to you and me today, which is very good. And... This is also a parable that the Lord explains without request. In other words, uh, if you have a look in verse 36 where it talks about the parable of the weeds, the people that were listening said, they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields. So the Lord said, okay, I will. I'll explain it to you. But here is a parable that the Lord gave and he explained it, which is unusual, without even anyone asking him to do that. You've got to ask yourself, why bother? Why did the Lord do that? And the parables are usually something that to do with the mysteries, you know, things that aren't commonly known. And so God is trying to teach us about things that aren't commonly known through these parables. How are we going with the slides? Not working? They're working? it's not not happening up here could you just advance the next slide for me okay so in this parable which is the first of seven in this chapter they're all about the kingdom this this portion of god's word is known as the kingdom parables and so this this parable here talks about a seed It talks about soil, it talks about a sower, and it talks about results. The seed is very evident. It's the Word of God, it's the Gospel. So that's very evident. All right? Okay, having technical issues here. Okay, beautiful. Okay, the soil talks about the human heart or the human condition. So that's the story behind it, it's talking about God's gospel, God's word being sown into soil which represents God's heart. So that, that's the idea. Now, the sower and the results is what I'd like to focus on this morning because that's what really concerns us the most at the moment in relation to this series that we're doing in evangelism, so we're not going to look at this parable in a traditional way that would normally be be uh, um, shared with and taught uh, from the pulpit. My particular focus this morning is the sower, the sower of the seed, and the results, and the results of that work of that sowing. So the interesting point. The interesting point that I have to show you is that this parable doesn't start like the other six, right? It doesn't start like the other six. The other other parables say the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like. And it gives you a parable to illustrate an example. But this one doesn't start like that. Doesn't start like that, because this parable here describes how the kingdom of God starts, how it originates, how you can enter into it, and then you can find out what it's like. Preaching the word of God, and preach and spreading God's word is a, is like planting seed. To get things started, that's how you start. I brought a packet of seeds here with me. Okay. You want broad beans? This is how it starts. It's not from the freezer at Woolies. That's not where they come from. They come from seeds. Yeah, if, you, if you don't like vegetables, I've also bought flowers. You know, when you buy flowers, especially, you know, I remember going to Weir Street uh, at, at uh, Food Works and I bought a bunch of flowers for my dear wife and the lady at the counter says, well, that's nice. Are you in trouble? <laughs> no anyway that's beside the point so, so this, is how it's, this is how it starts so this parable is also important because this is how it all begins I think that's probably why the Lord explained it without any prompting just to make sure people got the idea this is how it all begins with the sowing of the seed now I hope you have your Bibles still open this is really important when you look through the, the passage in the NIV, they, they've used the word some in verses 4 and 5 and the word other in in 7 and verse 8. Now, depending on translations, and sometimes translations are done in order to convey the message and sometimes they're done for the, to make sure that people can read it easily. The, the King James Version was done... Translation was done so that it would be really, really accurate. And in the King James Version, those all those words are the same. They're all the word some, some seeds. Some seeds. Now why am I telling you this? What's why bother to explain this to you? Because when you go back to the original language, it's written in Greek. It's the same word. The same word. You know what that word means? The same kind of seed. So the sower didn't go out and cast out broad beans, carnations, corn. No, it was the same seed. It was all the same seed. Why why is this important? Because when we were wondering about what evangelism is and what is the good news... It is something particular, isn't it? It's not just being nice to people. That's what we said. It's not. We should be nice. It's not just being compassionate. We should be compassionate. That is not what the good news is. So we need to be particular as to what we sow. I think that's what the Lord was trying to get across here in the parable. And so the word that's used there for some and other in the original is this very same seed not a different seed not a better seed the same seed so I'd like to look, spend a few minutes now to look at the sower again here in the NIV it says a farmer went out I know, you know, I know it's easy to read the NIV is easy to read but if you go to the, to the King James this is what it says Now the Lord didn't tell this parable to give you uh, uh, tips on agriculture. It's not the reason he gave it. But he did take the knowledge that the people had about agriculture to apply it to the spreading and the starting of the kingdom of God. So in the King James it says, a sower went forth to sow because it's important not a farmer because again in the original language that word farmer that's farmer here and the word sower it actually means a scatterer so the Lord Jesus was very cluey on communications he tried like, like uh, Pat did he tried to get what was common knowledge You know, Pat used apps and things like that to bring home a point the Lord did exactly the same thing so he says, you know, you know guys, you know the, the scatterer, the sower that comes? So they knew exactly what he was talking about. The guy with, with, with a, a receptacle for the seed and he grabs a handful of seed and he just does that. That's the sower. That's the method that they used in Jerusalem, in Israel at that time. They knew exactly what, what they, he was talking about. Does anyone know, I just, I just want to know, I know there's some really smart people, does anybody know the actual real terminology of, of this sort of sewing? Does anyone know what it is? Scattering. Scattering, yeah, but apart from that, there's another term. Thank you, who said that? Thank you. You know, you, you guys think I'm weird. You know, you think, you know, that I get excited over stuff in the Bible for, for no reason. That that methodology of doing this scattering the actual term is broadcasting. Can you see the Lord's thinking here? How am I going to, how am I going to tell them about the need to make the, the gospel known? I know. We're going to broadcast it. Scattering. And so the Lord picks this example of how to how to do it. That's why it's important that it's a sower, not a farmer, a sower. You don't have to be a farmer. You just have to be a scatterer, a broadcaster. And who is he or she? It's a servant of God. That's who it is. I haven't got time to read First uh, Corinthians 5 and verse 9, but that's the, the account that Paul gives about him sowing, Apollos praying and watering, and God giving the increase. And it's his people that do the the sowing, the scattering. Are we sowing the seed, brothers and sisters? Are we scattering that seed? Are we are we evangelising? Are we actually spreading the gospel? You see, I love this because you don't have to be a farmer. It doesn't require any special skill to just do this with seed. None, no skill whatsoever. But it does require hard work. It's hot work. It's dusty work. It requires follow-up work. The Bible tells us that it requires people to pray, to water that work, to water that seed. But brothers and sisters, The seed, the word of God, the gospel must be planted for it to have any effect. Must be planted. You see, you see this packet of seeds. It looks really nice. But that's not the purpose of it. To look nice on a, on a hook at Bunnings. For me to come along and say that'll be good for an object lesson on Sunday. That's not the reason this packet of seed exists. The packet of seed exists so that you can come along, purchase it from Bunnings. Bunnings is getting a good plug here this morning. And you take it home. And then you open the packet, you take the seed, and you put it into the ground. On the back of this, it says that this seed is good till 2021. That's two years. You could leave this packet in the garage, on your shelf, in the kitchen and what's going to happen? Nothing is going to happen. You can turn the air conditioning on or the heating on to try and germinate the the seed. What's going to happen? Nothing is going to happen. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. What do you need to do? You need to take the seed and put it in the soil. And it's the same with the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we have the seeds of eternal life. They've been entrusted to us. That's what the scripture says entrusted to us to do what? Keep it in a packet? Put it on a shelf? Oh, no worries. We've got we've got till 2020. Plenty of time to plant, brothers and sisters. There'll never be a result if the seed is not planted. Never. That's what the Lord said. Go out, make disciples. A harvest. The harvest is dependent on the seed being sown. Now, I love going for little trips in the country, and you know, at different times of the year you drive through the country and all of a sudden you go around them, and here 's this this patch of ground newly freshly plowed it looks brilliant it 's a rich, earthy gold, you know, reddy brown colour the rest of it's got grass and stuff and it just looks brilliant you know, I'm sure the farmer was there with his tractor and his plough and he probably put some fertiliser in you know, all that sort of stuff and it looks brilliant but it's useless absolutely useless if the farmer hadn't, doesn't put the seed in the ground It's lovely and ploughed. It just looks like it could just burst forth with some sort of plant life. But unless the seed is actually planted in the ground, there is no harvest. No harvest. I mean, this is very basic, isn't it? Very simple. So the next thing I'd like to look at is the results. Results. Every farmer, every gardener who scatters the seed has expectations of results. You know, you 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 plant this, I mean, I don't know you like broad beans, but it was the biggest packet I could find. You plant this, you expect to get nice broad beans. You know, I'm more into I'm more the flower sort of person, I know, not very manly, but nevertheless. You plant this, you expect to get carnations at some point. It tells you here. Uh, it starts after four, ten to fourteen days in the back of the packet. So you, know, you, you plant your, your your carnation seeds in the in the flower boxes and you water it and you wait, but you wait expectantly you 're waiting for that that little seed to germinate and push through you know the crop farmers like the Watsons in Berry Willick we know the watsons they 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 they, they, they plant things in huge amounts Nick and Deborah after they sow the seeds in the paddocks they just sit back and they just wait they have an expectation that all that hard work all the prep work the sowing and all the rest of it will bring forth a harvest and you're the same I'm the same you plant something you're expecting something you sow seeds, you water, you wait, and you see. This parable tells us that that's what happens. But it's what I find interesting in this parable is that the results, the results, are mixed, aren't they not? They're mixed. And I'd like to just spend another few minutes just looking at these four types of soil, because I think it'll help us to understand why it is that we don't actually get the results that we're looking for when we when we spread the gospel. The four soils represent four conditions of the human heart of man 's heart four four conditions generally speaking and when we read together, the Lord made it very clear and he explained it that the first soil, which is the the soil that uh, the, the birds came along and, and ate up, was a hard soil a pathway in in the, in those days you know when they walked along certain paths so they worked along. This bit all the time so they wouldn't trample their seed. It became very hard. And so the seed would hit it, bounce, you know, and nothing would happen, the birds would come. That represents someone who resists the word of God. No! When you tell them about, no, I don't want to hear about it. Alpha, no, I don't want to get alpha. That's the hard heart. It's easy for Satan to snatch away the seed, it says there. I used to struggle with that, thinking, why? Because it, it, it's having no effect. No effect at all. Blown away in the wind. It's still good seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. But that heart represents someone who's, who's, who fails to acknowledge their sin. You ever, that, you've experienced that. You've tried to speak to people, no, I'm not a sinner, Raf. I'm not a sinner. You know? I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't interfere with children. I'm not a violent man. Failing, failing to acknowledge their sinners. Their unwillingness to, to acknowledge God. And we get a very good description of that sort of person in Romans 1. Those people aren't saved. When they hear the gospel, they're not saved. The shallow heart is the emotional hero. You know, They hear this wonderful message, Oh, God loves me. I've got a place in heaven. My sins are forgiven. Yeah, and and everything sounds good, and it sounds exciting, adventurous. But what does it say about that shallow, that shallow heart? The Lord says, you know, they don't last long. They wither and die. Why is that? There's no substance. No roots you know the 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 shallow heart they, they, they just on they just they, they make decisions on experience on emotions, and it says there that when the challenging parts of the gospel comes along about the Christian life, some of the things that they need to adjust, some of the things they need to stop doing, some of the things that they need to take care of, oh you know what i'm not so interested in that, the Lord says. The seed never took root. The good news never took root in their lives. It's interesting when you read about this uh, parable uh, in uh, the commentaries, the theologians say, maybe these people will never say it. The crowded heart, the next one. They received the word, but they, and, and, and it sort of starts to grow, but what did it say? No fruit. It doesn't bear anything. It's just, you know, just leaves. That's a person who, who receives the word of God, understands that they need to be saved, they understand that they're sinners, but they never truly repent of their, of their rebellion against God. It says they don't, there's weeds there, they don't remove the things that they think are more important, like Pat was saying. What other important things in life wealth position career are these people saved possibly the commentators say possibly saved sometimes they're known as carnal Christians I'm not sure but we get to the fourth soil and there's no doubt about it no doubt about it these people are saved the seed the seed you know it goes into a um, Thank you. It goes into, uh, the soil. It germinates. A little, little plant comes out. It keeps growing and it bears fruit. It bears fruit. This is a person who acknowledges that there is a God and that they, uh, acknowledge their own sinfulness before him and they have a desire to repent to change their lives, to live lives that are, that are pleasing to God. And then you have the, the crop. And it's really interesting when you look at that. This seed bears fruit. But it, but the Lord was very, said something very interesting. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Now that's really interesting. Next slide. So we've got this one parable. It talks about the star of the kingdom many soils but only one seed same seed remember that's what this thing is it's the same seed not a different seed and mixed results mixed results so what are our expectations like are they balanced are they realistic because most of the time they're unrealistic for example, sometimes we might think I've told, I'm going to tell someone about Jesus and then they'll get saved. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. What about the, the people that say, now I've told them about Jesus Christ already, once before, and they rejected it. That's it. I'm not going to tell them again. Maybe you've already invited someone to the Alpha Course in the past and they said, no, I don't want to go. No, thank you. Then you think, I'm not going to ask them again. You know, the soil can rep- can also represent four different phases in a person's life. What do I mean by that? The Apostle Paul, terrific example. If there ever was anyone that had a hard heart, it was the Apostle Paul when he was known as Saul. Persecuted the church, put people to death, Christians to death. That's how much he didn't want to uh, be part of the, the good news. And he actively went round to stop little congregations studying the word of God and spreading the gospel. You can't get a harder heart than that, Kylie, eh? What happened to him? God met him on the road at Damascus and did something to that hard heart. You know, any hard ground can be ploughed up and turned over. If you listen to 3OW and Vasily, the first thing he asks when people bring up and say, oh, you know, the lemon tree is not doing too... He says, um, what's the soil like? Because you can change the soil. You can improve it. You can add things to the soil to make it more fruitful, more fertile. That's what happened to Paul. That hard heart. Was ploughed by God. He was no longer hard. He was receptive. And he, the seed was planted. And let me tell you something, that man changed. And he bore fruit. And I reckon, when I look back now, think about Paul, he's the hundredfold. Yeah? Have to be the hundredfold. From a hard heart to a hundredfold crop. And what about Mark? Mark, John. Or John Mark, sorry, John Mark. I don't know if you know about him, but he—he's—he's—he—he uh, he, he was. I reckon he was the classic example of the of the crowded heart, or the or the one in thorny ground. You know, John Mark, he went off to 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 help uh, Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey, and you know it got a little bit hard. You know, too many meetings to go to, too much studying to do. I don't know what it was, but he he, he thought, you know, yeah, I want to go home. He was worried about a whole heap of things. In fact, it caused the breakup of a great missionary team of Barnabas and Paul. A crowded heart. But what happened to John Mark? You read on, and years, many years later, his heart was changed. Paul actually needed John Mark to help him in the ministry. It was. It's believed that, that Mark's gospel was written by John Mark, but more more accurately, or more likely, was dict- was dictated to him by the Apostle Peter. So we have we have this man who has his own who has a gospel named after him, Mark, who started off with a crowded with a, with a crowded heart, a thorny in thorny ground. So hearts can be changed, brothers and sisters. It's unrealistic for us to think, you know, I, I, I told them, I told her, I told him about the gospel last year, and they said no, so I'm not going to tell them again. It's also interesting that only twenty five per cent of the seed that was sown in this parable actually bore fruit. That's a very poor return, don't you think? Two three quarters of the seed didn't actually achieve what it meant to achieve now why am I telling you this is that supposed to be encouraging you know even the Lord when he first started off I think this is why he gives us this parable this is how it started off with him he started telling people about the kingdom of heaven about God's love about God's forgiveness of a place in heaven and people thought yay great, great news, I'll have that and then he kept teaching he kept explaining to them what else had to happen And what happened, brothers and sisters? The crowds thinned out, did they not? They started in the thousands and slowly they thinned out because there were hard hearts, there were shallow hearts and there were crowded hearts. Always been like that. So it's really unrealistic for me to think that if I go and knock all those doors... And offer them salvation or I ask them to come to Alpha. That we're going to get, I think, I think I did count, I did work it out, I think there's 65 immediate neighbours in our street, more or less. You know, the length of this is my own, 65 houses. I'm not going to get 65 people responding, yes, we're coming to Alpha. That would be unrealistic. And then there are some people who compare results with god 's blessing, for example, you know fruitfulness is defined by a, by a crop, not by the amount, because that last heart it did produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred. It made no difference to the Lord; He just wanted to see fruit, a crop, a harvest, something to show for the planting of the seed. Can I have the next slide? I'd like to leave you with this thought. The harvest, brothers and sisters, is dependent on the soil and the sower. No matter how poor or how small or if there's any harvest at all, when I read this psalm, this parable, rather, the fault never lies in the seed. You don't read there the Lord saying, you know, that that seed that fell on you know, it was faulty, it was no good, the uh, the use by date was up. No, you don't read that. The fault never lies with the sower. Oh, you know, he didn't toss it the right way, or the wind was blowing, or you don't read that either. Who's at fault? What is the reason that there is no fruit in those other three souls? It is, the, it is the, the, the heart's responsibility to accept that message and to bring forth some fruit. But for you and I, for you and I this morning, the important thing is no sowing, no opportunity no harvest so if we don't sow there is absolutely no opportunity for people to get saved we need to be encouraged to continue to sow because as I said earlier the seeds that we have the seeds that we have are the seeds of life in this seed in this seed there is life it's not going to happen by staying in the packet, is it? In this Bible, we have the seeds of eternal life. Just like these seeds, absolutely useless like this. It won't save the neighbour. It won't save your husband or your wife or your child or, or your workmate. But you take that word that seed and you plant it in their heart you share it with them you sow it and there's a a good chance there's going to be a harvest never stop sowing never stop praying for that seed that you've sown in the past always be expectant of a harvest and I'd like to just finish by saying and don't give up hope hope in the seed that you've sown because God is in the business of changing people's hearts and any any hard heart can be ploughed up by God and turned into an open heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity that you give us every day to be sowers of your seed, of your word, of the gospel. And Father, I pray that as we think about this parable that we would see our responsibility before you. Not to save people, but just to be sowers of the seed. And we know that your word goes on to tell us that it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to, to convict people of sin. It's the Spirit's responsibility to bring people into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, we know that we have a part in that, to be sowers of the seed, to be those who water the seed and, and uh, look expectantly for God to give the increase, for God to give that life, that maturity to the plant, to bring forth fruit in people's lives. Help us to see our part in this uh, this privileged uh, part that we have uh, and help us to take up this, this tremendous challenge and responsibility to be the souls of God's word in this little community around Montmorency and in our families and in our workplaces. Help us, Father, to, to not be frightened, not to be, to be backward in, in making known this wonderful message of God loving sinners enough to save them and cleanse them of their sin through Jesus Christ and offer them a place in heaven. For all of eternity. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had this morning with uh, worshipping you and looking and reading into your word. Bless uh, what we've learnt this morning. In the Saviour's name we pray. Amen. Amen.